Let's look tonight in our Bibles in the book of Psalms, the 133rd Psalm. And uh, I mentioned it this morning, but today's seven years since we've been here at the church. And, and uh, I preached this message the Sunday night that the church, y'all probably forgot it. Anybody remember the message I preached the Sunday night? That <laughs> You're sharp, Brother Jared, sharp as a butter knife. But uh, smooth as sandpaper. Um, but anyhow, uh, I really had this thought on my mind and this week. And, and uh, sometimes it's good. You know, a carpenter don't throw a hammer away uh, after he drives one nail. And, and uh, to be honest, the crowd's really changed since. How many of you, why don't we do this? How many of you were here in the building on the night when the church called me to be pastor? Would you stand up? Let me see. See that? <laughs> Georgia, you weren't here. <laughs> you were just a beam in your mother's eye. See that? Y'all be seated. And I thank the Lord for the ones he's added. And uh, it also bur- it burns my heart and uh, breaks my heart to know there's many not here that were here then. And uh, for different reasons, some are in heaven uh, that were here. And uh, think about Miss Prince, Miss Diane, and several others, and then some have moved on for different reasons, but I want to preach this thought tonight, Psalms 133, and if you're able and willing, would you stand with us, and we'll just read the first verse and then pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help me tonight. Lord, you know how the devil, Lord, likes to hinder me, and I pray, God, you'd bind him right now. And I pray, Lord, you'd just let me preach with freedom and liberty tonight. And I pray the Word of God would have liberty and have free course in this service. And I pray, Lord, that you would just draw us all closer together tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd help us endeavor, Lord, when we leave here tonight, to leave on purpose and leave for a purpose. And Lord, to go out in this world and be a light. What a dark world we're living in, Lord. And what darkness there is in this community right now, Lord, and despair and discouragement. And I pray that, Lord, that when we leave, that we'd, we'd determine our hearts that we're going to go out and, and be a light and make a difference, Lord, in people's lives. We love you tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to preach and pastor, Lord, this church for these seven years. And I pray, Lord, if it be thy will, you'd grant us many more years together. I pray you bless this church, Lord. I pray you'd add to us and send people our way that need to be here and that are supposed to be here. And I pray you'd keep the ones that don't need to be here away. Lord, we love you tonight, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Verse number one, the Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And uh, I want to preach for a little while on that word, unity. unity. That's the name of our church, Unity Baptist Church. And uh, I want to say that we're hypocrites if we call ourselves Unity Missionary Baptist Church and we're not unified. Right. And, uh, and I was telling the men about a church down in Tennessee, they called themselves, they was a Missionary Baptist Church and they voted the preacher out for wanting to take on missionaries. And, uh, and, and, and that's silly. Would we all agree that's silly? Yeah. But it's just as silly to call ourselves uh, Unity Baptist Church and they're not to be unity among us as God's people. Now, this word, uh, kind of like the word love. 
uh, is one of the most, I guess, misused and misunderstood words in the day in which we live. You know, they, everything's called love, and, and everybody says you just do anything because, it well, we, if you got love, then you won't care. That's not true. But unity does not mean, it, it, the word unity, it means all together as a unit. It's a military term, a unit. You ever heard of that, a military unit? And when, they, when you've got a unit, what it is, is it's men and women that have put their own preferences aside and their own wants to, uh, aside for the sake of that unit. And they march together, they eat together, they fight together. And that's what the psalmist is saying here, that it's how good and how pleasant it is uh, for us, for brethren, to dwell together in unity. Now, you say, well, Brother Martin, this is the Old Testament. Well, it's the Word of God, first of all. And uh, I understand this is re uh, referencing Israel. You know, God in Hebrews, the Bible references Israel as the church in the wilderness and assembly in the wilderness. And we've not replaced Israel, uh, but I believe you can apply the same principles that were true to Israel uh, to the local church. And, and just in case you wonder, Jesus in John 17, he prayed for his people that they would be one, that they would be one, that there be unity and when there's unity, uh, there's, when there's such a togetherness that, uh, and again, I mentioned this morning, that's why I'm so opposed to this ideal that there's, there's levels of members and levels of people in the church. I believe the person that, that joined the church and got saved two weeks ago uh, and the person that joined the church 30 years ago, I believe when they joined the church, they're all on the same level. And I believe the pastor, I believe everybody together, uh, is on the same path. If, if, it's, if it's done the right way, uh, there'll be a togetherness. There'll be a, a bond. There'll be a, a, a unifying among, their, uh, among God's people. Now, look here, and, and I'm just going to be brief tonight. I don't have much gas I actually got in the tank. So, uh, But the first thing I want you to see, now notice uh, this is a, what's called a fancy word, superscription. It's under the, the title of the psalm where it says, a song of degrees of David. Now, you know David, uh, there's a lot of things David did, but one thing he did that was, was powerful is he united Israel. Uh, for seven years, he was king of Israel, but the nation was divided. They still, there was a remnant that was still loyal to Saul and his, uh, his, his children, and, and for seven years he was king, but he was king in Hebron, and, and the nation was divided. But after seven years, the nation of Israel, the entire nation recognized him uh, as uh, their king. And I believe David knew about this. He had seen both sides of it. Now, I don't know how, how long you've been saved, everyone in here. I don't know how long you've been in church and where you've been in church, but... I believe everyone, for the most part, has been in a church at some time where there was not unity. And, uh, and, and David had seen that. He had been there. He had been in the midst of that. He had felt that. He had experienced that. And now he's writing in, on the other side of it, and he says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in a unity. And 
Tonight, I want to talk about the basis of our unity. What is it that we rally around? What is it that, now a soldier is that flag and it's that constitution and they that's what they rally around. That's why they change presidents. It doesn't matter. They, keep, they, they, they have a duty to their country. They have a duty to that constitution. And that's what they unify around. What is it that you and I can have unity? What is the basis of it? Is it because we like each other? Is it because we, uh, you know, is it because we all are the same, uh, have the same interests? No, that's not it. But the truth of the matter is, uh, I believe that there was some funda fundamental things that Israel could unite around. And by the way, those things, uh, by the way, the things that were written before in the Old Testament were written for our learning and admonition. And, uh, and uh, I believe that uh, there's some similar truths to what they united about that we can unite around. Now, now follow me. The first thing is this. They had the same book. Israel had the same book. They had the law of Moses. Brother Aaron taught in Sunday school about in the book of Ezra where they come back from, from captivity in the book of Nehemiah and they build a pulpit of wood and they put it on a platform above the people and they open and the Bible says they read the law of the Lord uh, from the morning until the midday uh, all day long he read the law of Moses and he started in Genesis 1 and he went to Deuteronomy and they all stood there that day and they listened to the word of God and when they got done preaching they said amen amen and they lifted their hands and they bowed their head to worship the Lord they bowed their face to the ground and in that little, uh, that little uh, uh, portion of Scripture, we see a beautiful picture of people that are unified around the Word of God. I want to say that's why we just got one book around here. Amen. I know there's two song books, but we just got one book. You understand? Amen. That's why we don't say bring whichever Bible you want and just teach whatever Bible you want and just read it. That's, we're not going to do that. God's always, uh, uh, the Lord helps me and gives me grace. I believe this church, if I were to leave and never come back, I believe this church would stay with this book right here. And the reason is you can't have unity when you got 50 different books. Amen. Can you imagine a, a unit of soldiers out there and every soldier's got a different instruction manual? And one of them says, okay, mine says we need to go forward. And another one says, well, mine don't say that. It just, don't, it just took that part out. And then another one says, well, well, mine says to slow down, not go forward. And then, my, and then another one says, well, mine says to, to dig a hole, to dig a foxhole. Can you imagine trying to fight when everybody's got a different manual they're going by? Israel had one book, and it was the Law of Moses. And I tell you, we've got one book in this church, and it's the Authorized King James Bible. Amen? And listen, if you need help with the these and the vows, I can help you, the yees and all that stuff. I don't know how many, yeah, there's some yees in there. And, and if that TH on the end of those words bothers you and it troubles your mind, then we can explain it. I don't mind doing that. And there's a reason, by the way, for those these and thous and thines. And, uh, it, 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 it helps. I, I don't want to get into all this. But I, I'm just saying this. Israel, they might not could agree on everything. But when it comes to that book right there, they said, we can unite around that book. Amen. They had the same book. They had the same battles. They had all been in the war together. You know, war unites a nation. It does. 
You look at the history of our nation and, and the times when it was the tightest and the was in the times of battle, World War II, when all the men were in war and the ladies went to the factories and were helping make machinery and armor and, and, and weaponry and all that and, and, and everybody was chipping in and everybody was making sacrifices and food was rationed and uh, assembly plants, people left their jobs to go build tanks instead of automobiles and, 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 and it, it was right during the Great Depression and all of that but there was something that happened there was a, a tightness there was a closeness there was a a, a, a unity among this nation and uh, you know tonight you and I may have different uh, preferences and, and, and interests but we've all got the same battle we're all fighting the, the world the flesh and the devil and, and that's something we can all be together in is on that battle I had a brother and a sister and we fought all the time I guess we fought from the day we was born we get around each other. That's probably why God moved me here and moved my brother to Florida so we could not kill each other. But I'm telling you what, when we was young and, and daycare, the hospital daycare, you better have somebody to fight with. I mean, it was a war zone. It was like Afghanistan, Iraq. It was rough. And, and you know, we might, fit, we might pick and make fun and, 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 and belittle each other and antagonize each other, amen, and, and provoke one another. And, and we did all those things, but you let somebody else do it, and it was a different story. The first, and I hate to say this, we're on Facebook Live. I really don't want to say it. I'm not going to say too many details, but I'll just say this. The first bloody nose that I caused was over somebody messing with one of my, 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 my brethren or sisters. And uh, they was picking on one of them, and I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was right. And, uh, and so the only thing I'm going to do is punch them in the nose, and that's what I did. I thought, man, that felt pretty good. <laughs> Amen. It sure feels better than getting punched in the nose. I'll just say that. But hey, man, Drew... But tonight, do you understand that we can unify our church? This church, we've been in some battles together. We've been in some conflict. We've been in some hard times. And there's been times I lost to my flesh and the world and the devil. And sometimes you lost it. But the truth of the matter is when you're in a local church, you just pick each other off. Uh, pick each other off. No, you pick each other up. Amen. I was talking about another church. Amen. That's the wrong kind of church. Don't pick each other off. Pick each other up. You understand? Because guess what? You may be on the victory side of the mountain tonight, but you may be in the valley tomorrow. There's something about going through battles that brings you together. That's why, you know, I, I, I feel bad for preachers that never stay in a church more than two or three or four years. And some of them, it's not their fault, you know. They probably all look in the mirror once it happens three or four or five times. But... But there's something about, and I feel sorry for people that go from one church to another church to another church to another church because they never get to go through those battles together. And when you go through those battles together, it makes you, it brings, uh, and I believe sometimes God will send the battle to create unity in the church. Then <clears throat> they had the same blood. They could unify over the same blood. You say, what do you mean? Well, they brought offerings, they brought sacrifices throughout the year, but there was just one day of atonement. And on that day of atonement, there was just one Passover lamb. And they bring that, that Passover lamb, they bring it to the priest, the high priest, and he would cut its throat there in front of the whole assembly, and he'd take that blood... And, and the whole congregation, you can read about in the book of Leviticus, they would assemble around the temple there, the tabernacle there, all 12 tribes. 
And they would stand and they'd watch as he went in. You know, the priest's garments had bells upon it so they could hear him walking in to that tabernacle. And he'd go in behind that veil, that purple veil, and go into the Holy of Holies. And he'd take that blood and he'd sprinkle it upon the altar. And, and uh, when he would walk out, he would lift up his hands to the entire nation. And what he was doing, he was telling them that the, the, the blood had been applied, that, that forgiveness and atonement had been made. And I'm saying this, we can't, uh, uh, the, the way to keep unity is to remember this, that uh, the same blood that was shed for you was shed for me. And the same blood that was shed for me was shed for you. And we can all be together about that blood. Amen. The same blood. But then they had the same blessed hope. You say, what do you mean, Brother Martin? Well, all 12 tribes were looking for the Messiah to come. They were. They were looking for that scepter. That they were looking for that, that line of the tribe of Judah to come. They, they were longing for Him to come. They were looking for Him to come. They were anticipating that one day there would be one that would be of the lineage of David that would be born and He would be the anointed one. He would be God in the flesh and that He would be their Savior. He would be their King. And you say, Brother Martin, we're not looking for that. No, but we're looking for Him to come again. Amen. And, and by the way, that's why I'm real careful. I'm not going to have preachers that come in here and preach to you that, that Jesus ain't coming and we're going through the tribulation. I don't want that to mess up our unity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we've got the same blessed hope. Uh, Titus said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, we can all agree on that. We've got the same boundaries. The, the same rules applied to the tribe of Simeon as it did the tribe of Jude and the tribe of Benjamin and the, and the, and the, and the tribe of Naphtali and the time, tribe of Dan. The same laws applied to every single tribe. And I got news for you tonight. There's not one set of rules for the preacher and another set of rules for... I understand there's standards. There's, there's uh, qualifications for the office of pastor. But when it comes to Christian life and living, that listen, we all have the same boundaries, the same rules, the same... And, 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 and that goes, you can apply it in the military. They have a general or a, or a private. They, if, they break the, if they break that law, if they break, then they're both going to be in trouble. And listen tonight, there are some boundaries on, on this unity. I'm not going to turn there for sake of time, but Philippians 1 says that our fellowship is in the gospel. What is it that we fellowship? We fellowship in the truth. We don't fellowship around. Now that's what's taught today is that you lay the truth aside for the sake of unity. And that, now I believe it's a church that it's good for us to partner with other churches and, and, and you know, like this meeting we went to, there was... I don't know, 40 or 50 churches or more, maybe more, maybe 75 churches come together for that meeting, you know, and I like that, and, this, and, and, and working here trying to help folks in this uh, tornado and all. I mean, I believe it's good for us to work together with other churches, but let me help you with something. If you, if you study in the New Testament that word unity, and every time it's used, the vast majority, I'll say this, the overwhelming majority of times it's used, it's in the context of a local church. Amen. 
and all of this, you know, let's, let's, let's hold hands and let's all join arm in arm with all these different denominations and different cults and, and all this stuff. Listen, that's not what God intends. That's not what the Bible teaches. He's teaching unity in the church. He's teaching, but he's teaching unity in the truth. You understand? And the fact is tonight that there are boundaries to this. There are some limitations. There are uh, some lines that God has drawn in the sand. And it's not to hurt us. It's to protect us and, uh, and to keep us from going astray by hearing that, that which is not true. The basis of our unity. We can, be, we can be together on that, can't we? We can be together on the book. We may not see everything the same. You understand, there may be some things where we have, you know, uh, different opinions on things. There are, some, there are some things in this Bible. Jesus talked about the weightier matters. Of, there are some weightier matters. There's some, and there are some things, secondary things where we, uh, you understand them things that, that Romans, I believe, chapter uh, 13 uh, talks about, about them disputable things and them matters of disputation where you may think it's wrong and I may not think it is or I may think it's wrong and you may not think it is. And we're not talking about a robbing a bank or nothing like that. I'm talking about them gray area things. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to the fundamentals of our faith, when it comes to the virgin birth, when it comes to the, uh, the resurrection, it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to who the, what the church is and what the church is supposed to do, when it comes to all those things, we can agree on those things. The basis of our union. Now look, he says this, how good and pleasant it is for brethren. Well, I want you to see the beauty of it. It's beautiful. Now, when there's not unity, it's ugly. It's bad. And by the way, I believe people, when they visit a church, they can tell real quick whether there's unity or not. You can really just watch how when the church dismisses. You know, if, if, the, if the closing prayer is offered, and before, I mean, and, and before he says amen, half the cars are already out of the parking lot, that's a bad sign. Amen. It's a bad sign. Brother Willard, you said that he knew when the revival was about to happen in church because he said people would just keep lingering around. Just keep lingering around. And listen, it's so beautiful. He said how good and how pleasant it is. How wonderful it is. That word good, it means excellent. It means valuable. It means prosperous. That word pleasant means delightful, sweet, lovely. It means a sweet sound. You know what God loves to hear from His church? He loves to hear unity. It's like melody to him when he when he when he hears when he sees uh, the his people getting along together and and striving together and and fighting together and worshiping together and laboring together. It it, it causes God much joy. The miracle of it, he says, "Behold, behold, it's something to see." That word "behold" means to gaze with amazement. It's a miracle, really. Think about it. Think about unity. I'm talking about unity among God. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. The fact that so many different people with so many from with so much so many different backgrounds and, and from different places. I mean, I, I don't know exactly all the different places we've got here, 
I know we got some people from Illinois. We got some from Georgia and Ohio and Tennessee and Kentucky and, and, and who else? Where else? I, I'm not sure if y'all can think of one. Maybe tell me I'm tripping. But, but I'm just saying from different places, from different upbringings, it's a miracle. He said, behold, look at it. Amazing. Stand back and realize this is something special. And, and, and listen, uh, tonight we ought to endeavor, we ought to strive to maintain that unity. To make, You know the early church, it wasn't, it wasn't they had a big building, a big budget. It was this. They were in one mind and they were in one accord and they were in one place. That's a wonderful thing. The miracle of unity, the minister of unity. He said in verse 2, is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Aaron is a type of Christ. The high priest, he, Jesus is our great high priest. And here, this is now you'll know who the minister of unity is in the church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And by the way, I want you to see this. It says that it they poured ointment upon the head. The head. You know what? There ain't nothing special about the body. What's special is the head. Aaron's head glue, it glue, it glued, it glowed. <laughs> With that oil, it, it ran down upon his head and it caused his head to shine. And I want you to know, we can look at the body and we can look at each member of the body and we can find fault with the members of the body. If that's what you're here for, then you're here for the wrong reasons. And if you go to a church to find fault, you're going for the wrong. I think some people think when they go to church that they're like the quality control specialist. You know that one at the end of the assembly line that's got to fail so many parts every day just so he don't lose his job? And he sits there with a magnifying glass and a measuring tape and he checks every single inch of every single part. And if he finds just one little scratch or one little blemish, he'll throw it away and say, it's not good enough. Listen, there's, there's only one that's supposed to inspect the members of the body and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand? He is the head. Aaron is the minister of unity. No matter what problems may be found in the church and its members, it doesn't change the glory of the church's head. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the head. But then, it said it ran down upon his beard. The beard speaks of manliness. Jesus Christ was not weak. He was not effeminate. He was a man. He was a strong man. Brother Rudy preached on the cross the other night. And he had to be one strong man physically. To endure the scourging and make it to the cross. Right. If nothing else, that tells you he was a strong man. It speaks of courage. It speaks of valor. It, 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 but listen, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, he is a strong, strong and powerful and, and, and courageous head. And listen, even though the body may shake at times and even though the members of the body may quiver, I'm thankful tonight but the head of the church, he's strong and steady and steadfast. Look at verse 2. It says, that went down to the skirts of his garments. This speaks of the ministry. The ministry. The garments were the garments of a priest. The priest had to put on these garments. You read about in the book of Leviticus, every piece of cloth, everything involved in that temple worship sacrifice that that tabernacle worship was is a picture of jesus christ 
And even that robe that he wore, the, that he put on, it was a priest robe. It was a, it was a garment that was worn only at a certain time and for a certain reason. And uh, listen, Jesus, thank God, was a minister. Did you know that? The Bible says in Mark 10 and verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Uh, Jesus had a ministry on Calvary. Uh, he had a Calvary ministry that He wore a robe for. And the soldiers gambled upon that garment. Amen. Uh, they didn't rent it. And you can read in the Old Testament about that rent. The priest's garment it was a seamless robe. And, uh, and, and, but not only did He have a Calvary ministry, but thank God, He's got a continuing ministry that he does for us even now. He intercedes for us. You know what I believe he's wearing in heaven? I believe he's wearing the priest's robe. Because he ever liveth to make intercession for us. The skirts, he says, of his garments. This speaks of the, his mercy. You say, what do you mean, Brother Martin? Those skirts, if you read in the Old Testament, they went all the way to the ground. All the way to the ground. They reached way down. Amen. A little child could touch that garment. It was within arm's reach of anybody, no matter how low they were, no matter how far down they were, they could, they could touch that garment. I'm thankful tonight that our Lord Jesus Christ is a, is a Savior who's willing to reach way down to save sinners. Amen. The mercy of, of this minister. We should never be so high and holy. That we cannot reach sinners. Listen to this. Holiness is not so we, can't, we don't touch sinners. It's so we can touch sinners. The members. This garment covered the entire body of Aaron. When people got near Aaron. They could smell and sense the presence of God. Upon his garments. Amen. I believe the church needs us daily to be in the presence of God. It doesn't need to just be on Sunday morning or Sunday night and Wednesday night. We need to spend a little time, just a little time in that place, in that place of worship, in that place of devotion, in that place of communion, and in that place of fellowship with the Lord where we, put, we cast our cares upon Him and he, give, he feeds our soul and gives us manna from above. And that exact, that's what He's talking about is that garment. It covered the entire body of the priest. Then verse 3, as the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. We see the mountain of beauty. Hermon and Zion. Mount Hermon was in the northern part of Israel. Mount Zion was in the southern part. So he referenced one for, for the whole nation. Now think about this. The dew. What's the dew? Dew. <laughs> I tell you what it does. Allows there to be growth even in times of drought. Now, the dew cannot be manufactured. It cannot be man-made. In the, in the, in the climate of, of, of Palestine, dew was essential for growth. It comes during the night. Did you know that? And it never comes after a storm. So when there's strife and when there's, when there's conflict and when there's, there's animosity, you know why we should try just to get along? And, and, and you know, sometimes you just got to bite our tongue and, and just chew it off and spit it in the floor. If you've been married more than three months, you know what I'm talking about. 
Sometimes you just got to bite it off and, and just spit it out on the floor. Uh, listen, and in the church, just think about this. Just think about this. You let unity leave a church, and guess what's going to go with it? The do. It comes in the night season. Never after a storm. It, it comes in the quietness of the night when things are still and calm and it rests upon the ground. Ceaseless activity never produces unity. The dew cannot be manufactured from below. It has to be poured from above. And listen tonight, that's why we should want to have unity because... Listen, the, the, the reason is that if we don't, then there won't be any dew, there won't be any rain that will fall, and, and there'll be no growth, no, no spiritual growth, no, no, uh, no physical growth. And, and, you know, I've always said this, that if we can't get along with each other, if we can't have unity, we don't need to expect God to send someone here to send. I, I hope it's our desire, every one of us, to have a, 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 our goal as a church, to have a church that if there's someone here close, that God can send them here and know that they're not going to be ruined by being in this church. There's been a lot of believers ruined by church splits and church fight and church drama and church this and, and bickering and, and arguing and carrying on. Listen to me tonight. It's more important. The dew ought to mean more to us than our own uh, getting our way or, or having our say or, or getting something off our chest. You don't have to get something off your chest. I had, you know, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I had a real, real good uh, one of them quality control experts in the church I pastored before. And, um, and, uh, and she, uh, she always would say this. I, I just had to give them peace of my mind. I just had to give them peace of my mind. And, and she would. She'd give everybody peace of her mind. Ran every, I mean, if anybody knew joined the church, she'd make sure that she ruined it for them real quick. And you know how she, she died? She lost her mind. She gave it all away. Seriously. Amen. You only got so many pieces, don't be giving them out just left and right. I mean that. Every thought and every idea, it may be a good thought. You may be right. Did you know sometimes even when you're right, you don't have to let everybody know you're right? And it's not, it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about overlooking sin. I'm not talking about turning your head at something that's evil and wicked. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just talking about nitpicking. And, and, and I don't think we got this problem. I mean, I, I really don't. And I thank God for it. But we should, listen, I've got a brother who's not in church. I do. He's been out of church for over 20 years. And I've been praying for him for over 20 years. And, and I've been praying and praying and praying. And I always pray, Lord, let there be some church where he's at. Get a burden for him and, and, and go knock on his door. And, 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 and you know, I think about this this type of this these things right here and, and you know there's somebody else's brother that lives somewhere around here that they're praying for there's somebody else's sister there's somebody else's son or daughter and God help us to have a church that's warm and loving and, and where we cooperate where we get along so that when those people come we don't mess them up worse than they already are see it, it causes confusion when we preach that man can have union with God through Jesus Christ, but yet we can't have unity among each other. That's just like, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear, a lost person, I don't even want to hear about it. 
You mean to tell me you, you're saying that I can have union with a God that I don't even know, a God that I've never seen, but you can't have unity with one another? You can't get along? They don't want nothing to do with it. Then look, and I'm done. Verse 3. As the dew of Hermon, as the dew that ascended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. The blessing of unity. He says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where? Mount Hermon and Mount Zion. Those pictures of the church. He says, the Lord commanded blessing. Now, listen. I believe we ought to work. We need to work more. I really do. I don't believe anybody in here will be able to stand up and, and, and honestly say that there, any of us are doing as much as we should or as much as we could to get people, to reach people. We need to all do more. We do. I believe we need to plan better. I'm, I'm, I'm awful at it. I, I am. I'm just, I'm telling y'all, I am. I mean, listen, we need, I, believe in, I believe in having strategy. I believe in having a plan. I believe in having a purpose and going after people. But we can have all the plans and all the strategy, and we can do all that. But listen, if we don't have unity, God's not going to bless us. God will bless a unified people. And His Spirit is quenched by strife and discord. People can sense whether there's unity or not among a church and its body. And I mentioned that God won't send sinners to get saved at a divided church. Brother Adrian Rogers, he's one of my favorite preachers. He's dead in heaven. I listen to him all the time. Y'all don't listen to him though. Because I get a lot of sermon ideas from him. Love worth finding. Brother Adrian Rogers. He had the best voice. I wish I could talk like him. And, and he could tell the illustrations. I mean, he just, when he tells them, you just sit there and just, and, and, and he believed in the King James Bible too. President of the Southern Baptist Convention. And back in the 80s, he fought them. I mean, he, I mean, he, he went to war with the liberals and, uh, and, and for the inerrancy of the Bible. And, and I, I do. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't agree with everything. I'm, I'm just saying, but let's just be honest. He was a mighty man of God. And he pastored the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I was listening to him preach this week. And he, uh, he was talking about they was in downtown Memphis and they was trying to buy some property and they was wanting to build it, but the church was packed and they couldn't, they just couldn't, it never would work out. Every time they'd come up with a deal, the person would back out and change the details and all this went on. And anyway, he went along, he went out and he, he spent some time in prayer with some other men of God. And, and long story short, they ended up buying some property outside of Memphis on 40 and the church exploded. I, I mean, they had like 10, 15,000 and, and, and on Sunday morning, it's just incredible. And, and he was a Bible preacher. But he said this, and it's always stuck with me. Somebody asked him. In fact, it was at a pastor's um, workshop he did in, in Gatlinburg. Brother Mark Stroud was there, and he told me this. They had a question and, and, and you know, answer, you know, session where he, the people asked him questions. And somebody asked him, what's the key to a church? What's the key to your church? And this way he said, love God, love each other. And love the lost. And they were disappointed. They thought there was going to be some big profound. But, but and, 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 and when you hear it, he'll talk about how they love God, they love each other, and they love the lost. 
Can we not do that? <laughs> love God. Love, how, you, ever, you know why the devil fights so much? You know why he tries to cause division? And by the way, that's what the devil is. He is a divider. He, that's what he does. He is a divider. That, that he is the lion. And you know what lions want to do? They want to divide the flock. It makes us vulnerable. Uh, and listen, the reason the devil does that is because he knows the blessings that come to a unified people. A unified people. The blessings of you. 